G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. On the tee from Australia, Adam Scott. Welcome to the Clubhouse. Ah, uh, yeah, g'day everyone, and welcome to the Clubhouse. Great to have your company right around Australia. Julian Bayard, Mark Allen with you each and every week talking golf. Hey, Marco. G'day, Jules. Nice good to, to see you. you. Oh, it's nice to see you as well. Straight after a Players' Championship as well. Yes. So, I want to talk about that at some stage. I yep. also want to talk about the venue oh, yes. of this week's Byron Nelson Classic. Well, you're not happy you've come in fired up. I have some strong thoughts on the venue of this wow. golf course. I've never so, seen you this. I've never seen you say what you said in the pre-show about a golf course. Yeah, well, hang around for this. Yeah, hang around because mm. if you ever go into Dallas, yeah, Four Seasons, <laughs> lovely place to stay, <laughs> and I'll give you a little bit of a golf course kind of lesson a little bit later. But we'll talk about it in the tick. And, yep. and you want to get it? You want to know how to get out of bunkers this well, week as well? There's a couple of long four masterclasses I want to get out of you, Marco. Yeah. The first one is bunker play. Yeah. Because I've got a mate who can't get out of bunkers. Yes. And I don't know what to do to say to him. Yes. His, we, his name might be... Uh, you've come to the right <laughs> place, Jules, because I can tell you I was the greatest bunker player who ever lived. Wow. I can tell you that as fact. Done. That audio is going to get replayed. 81.25% <laughs> one year in the up and downs. The very next year, 80.17 mm. on the Australian tour. No one can get in the 70s, mate. Mm. I've leapfrogged everybody. Wow. So... Hang around. I can teach people how to get out of the bunkers, I promise. Stay tuned for that self mm, piece of self-congratulatory. Yes, it was. Yes, it was, and I don't uh, care. I've got some questions about Fade v. Slice. Fade v. Slice as well? Because... Can we turn that into a masterclass I think towards we, the end? Well, yeah, because I want to talk to you, because I, you famously say on this show, and mm. many people do, that the pros fade the ball. The, the, yeah, the pros are always... Uh, the the amateurs, amateurs are always trying to draw it. The yep. pros are trying to fade it. That's correct. Nothing truer. And I've been trying to develop a nice fade with my driver, Marco. Mm. But I'm starting to worry it's turned into a slice. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's no good. And, and when we're talking about a fade, folks, so picture a ball traveling, carrying 300 yards, mm. and it fades three steps. That's right. It's a three-yard fade yeah. over 300 it's yards. It's starting down it's the left side of the fairway baby, and ending up baby, baby fade. Right. Yeah, so <laughs> we're, not, we're not trying to – yeah, we're not Bubba Watsoning the ball. Yeah. Um, and by the way, the draw, if you're trying to hit a draw all the time, yeah. we're not talking about a draw that starts down the right-hand side of the fairway and comes back to the middle. No. It's a three-yard draw as well. Yeah. Best players, I'm glad you brought this up. Peter Thompson. Yeah. I was uh, I was having a putt at, uh, and it was the Australian Open, and I'll tell you where it was, at Royal Adelaide Golf Club back in 1998. Greg Chalmers won. Uh, he was the only one who wasn't over par, yeah. even par. I was having a putt before the tournament. Peter Thompson was the guest speaker that that year. So I'm listening in, and I loved Tomo. I mm-hmm. loved him. Anyway, so he starts talking, and I know it's only going to go for 20, 30 minutes because he, yeah. he spoke to me be- beforehand. Yeah. So I went up just to have a listen to what he had to say. Anyway, uh, he finished up, great chat, and he took some questions from the floor. And yeah. somebody put up his hand. Greg Norman, um, Jack Nicholas fam- famously hit a fade. Sam Snead hit draws. Ben Hogan hit fades. Jack Nicholas, like I said, hit fades. Mm-hmm. What, what did you? What was your ball flight? And he looked at the bloke and goes, pfft, go, well, classic. Pfft, pfft, pfft. 
Draw? Fade? Just hit the ball straight. <laughs> Why would you just hit it straight? It. Straight down the middle. He was the clearest thinking human in mm. the game, but you should basically try and hit it straight. Yeah. You would like your swing to be consistent enough and repetitive enough that it is a small draw or a small fade, and yep. that's your target. You, don't, you never reach it. You know, you might have one day in your whole golfing life where every shot is exactly the same mm. off the tee, and that's great. But in your mind, when you are picturing your shot, um, and some people do and some people don't, the best players on earth, in my view, have always pictured a two-yard fade over 300 yards. Mm then they'll get up there and hit it off the toe and it ends up being a 10-yard yeah. draw. <laughs> but I promise what they're trying to do before the shot is look at a two-yard fade. Yeah. That's it. Easy Most to, of them. Easier to control? Is that right? Well, the reasoning is if you're trying to draw the ball, the club face rolls through impact. Yeah. Where if you're trying to fade the ball, the club face stays open and doesn't roll. Yeah. So it's much easier to control a club face that doesn't roll. Yeah. Much easier. Mm. And... Look, once upon a time, when the ball spun a lot, it doesn't spin anymore, then, yeah, a little draw was probably a, a way of gaining yardage. Mm -hmm. But these days, not much. You know, not much. The ball doesn't spin. Uh, even for the best players, you, you might gain five yards. You know, a, a three-yard fade versus a three-yard draw, I'm tipping five yards. Mm. But it's just not worth it. Because you can imagine, you know, like if you're a tennis player or if you're table tennis, you're always rolling the, the right. table tennis paddle, trying to do it. And the cut shot, the cut shot, the blade stays square. Mm -hmm. It's the same thinking when you're trying to hit a draw or a fade. Yep. We'll get and to that. Well, we, that, I, we're going to get to that. We're get to that, that is I, it. Because I want to know I'm the, I from can't a technique tell you point more. of view. I want to know technique point of view, Marco. Oh, technique. How to fix it. Oh, how, how to fix a cut. Yeah. All right, we'll do that in we'll Masterclass. We'll get to that in the Masterclass. We'll fix, it, we'll fix a slice uh, in the Masterclass. Now, big uh, tournament, the fifth major, just gone. Yeah, Siwoo Kim had a win. Yeah. <laughs> Probably the most boring 21-year-old golfer I've yep. ever seen in my I, life. I can't remember, Marco, a tournament that was effectively the fifth major. To yeah. get less coverage yeah. or have less interest in it yeah. than the players' championship just got. It just shows you that we are in the entertainment business. Yeah. All sport. Mm -hmm. AFL, NRL, cricket, uh, baseball. Yep. All the boring sports must entertain. That's right. Because if we had players like Siwoo Kim winning every week, oh. nobody would watch this game. No. So, on one hand, you've got to love the boring guy because... With the boring guy comes the awesomely exciting entertain me guy. Yep. If everyone was the same, that would be no good. That's true. So you've got to just take the boring people on the golf course and see where Kim is one of them. Let's talk about his genius, though. His genius is his chipping. He's one of the worst drivers pound for pound going around. <laughs> um, as far as the total driving, or you know, yeah. the, he, he's, he's nowhere to be seen on the table. But he had 10 opportunities to scramble. On his last round around the greens, ten out of ten, one hundred percent. Not bad, is it? Oh, I mean, know, when you're trying to win a place, when you're trying oh, to win the fifth major. Yeah. So on the back nine, he only hit three greens in the back nine. And got up and down seven, uh, six times. I better yeah. do my maths right. Got up and down six times of, you know, under under the most enormous heat. The greens he had to hit, seventeen, hit it. You know, so he. he 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 missed the greens where he should have missed them, and the up and downs were pretty easy. Some of the up and downs on that front nine, they weren't so easy. Not easy at all. You know, you're, you're chipping off the cooch grass yep. uh, that is prevalent at this golf course. 
Um, and with cooch grass, you get grain. That's right. And then you've got to try and stop the ball on the real fluky. Uh, it's called Bermuda Greens. And he was able to do it. He was able to chip the ball into a hill or a rise before a green, skip it up with backspin and get it to prop once it got to the green. So even when he short-sided himself a couple of times, he didn't do the, let's try and play this like a bunker shot, Phil Mickelson straight up in the air type chip. He had the genius and the understanding how to get the ball close that comes with years and years of practice and years of playing against your mates. Um, he, he hit the ball reasonably well when he needed to. Uh, 69 the last round, you know, it was fantastic. But in my view, the real story of the week was Ian Poulter. Ian Poulter three weeks ago, probably four weeks ago now, that uh, once you're listening, he was told that he didn't have a job anymore on the US tour. He was playing on a medical exemption and so was Brian Gay. Mm -hmm. Have you heard this story? So three weeks ago, they were both told, sorry, boys, you didn't That's quite it. make the points required to get exempt for the next year. And the PGA Tour, they do great. And so does the European Tour and so does the Japanese Tour. They have this thing called a medical exemption to where if you really hurt yourself and you can't play a string yeah. of tournaments, then they go, don't worry, you've got this up your sleeve. But what Brian Gay noticed during the season, and particularly when it was getting close, he's going... You know, I finished 10th there and I didn't seem to go up as much as I normally did. Or I finished 30th here and I didn't seem to go up as much as I normally did. So he went back through all his finishes compared to where he was last year. And he noticed that the points that were given this year were different from the year before. And Brian Gay and J Poulter, they only just missed. Hmm. They only just missed getting their cards via medical exemption. So... He went to the PGA Tour and, and asked the question. They said, yeah, we adjusted them this year just to make it better, blah, blah, blah. We're going to reward the guys at the top and, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, whatever they, however they adjusted it. So then Brian Gay went back and went through what they were last year. And he said, you told me and Ian Poulter that all I had to do was get the same amount of points to be exempt last year. That's right. So well, last year they were doing different points. So they recalibrated. And would you believe it, Brian Gay and Ian Poulter both got their cards back. So they weren't even in the event. Yep. They weren't even in, in the event. And Ian Poulter goes on to finish tied for second. Mm. Now, once you add up the second place and the third place, I think second place is over a million bucks now. <laughs> <laughs> the Players' Championship. I think he's picked up about eight hundred or so, yeah. 900000 US dollars. So he's picked up some money like that but more importantly he's got his life back yeah. and more importantly we got to see did you see what he did in the last hole well he had a shank yeah. he had a shank so he hits a drive down the right hand side it's just in the rough all he has to do is not make <laughs> up seven yeah he can't win the tournament he gets the, an iron out and I think he was trying to bash it and he's didn't like not your classic shank but certainly he caught part of the hosel yep. and it, it went in under this I don't know what you call them. Uh, I think uh, they're called palmetto trees that they have in the yeah. rough. So he's under the palmetto trees. He takes his two shots. He's still on pine pine needles, or they call them the pine straw. He's still on the pine straw over there. Yep. He's got to hit it up over pine straw, water on the left, bunker front right, and he's hit the ball the six inches and made a five. The guy's made a five and come second. One of the great shots. So he earns, it's, a, it's close enough to a million yeah. bucks. And that was almost not there because Brian Gay did his maths. Went back Unqu and un unquestioned did his by homework. Poulter, unquestioned by a few of the other guys yeah. who had medi medical exemptions. But the guy who was the closest saved the day.
Good on him. What a story, might, mate. Might have to buy him a beer, I reckon. I reckon, Ian. <laughs> With that 850. I reckon he should buy him about three beers. Yeah. At least. Yeah. yeah. And redo his house. That's it. <laughs> put a bar <laughs> in. <laughs> and put a new pool yeah. out the back. Yeah. You know, something. How, something. How, you've played this course, mate. Yeah, I have. How daunting is that 18th with that water up yeah, there? Yeah, scary. It's a really scary hole. Because, I mean, you look at, I mean, Adam Scott, for example. Mm. <laughs> where, where he was at, was it first, first round, round? Six under par yep. with two to play. Yeah. Double, double finish. Yeah. And basically finished it's five under par. I think. Yeah. Played finish. I mean, we played okay, but played okay for the week. Double double. Yeah. It's always going to hurt you. Yes. Yeah. And um, he has he has the famous vision of hitting the ball in the water. Yeah. There, what three times? Yeah. Look, to be fair, when you're playing just an just a mess around round. Yeah. Uh, Eighteen scarier than seventeen. Yeah. But I do think if you're playing in a tournament, yeah. like the play the fifth major, and you're coming there with any kind of lead, like Siwoo yeah. Kim did, then 17 would be scarier yep. because of the people around, the amphitheater. Mm. I mean, I reckon they can get about 15,000 people around. Yeah. So that atmosphere would make it a scarier shot than probably the 18th drive. Yeah. But if it was just you and me went there to play, yeah, I think you'd understand that that, you know, with the with water all the way down the left edge of the fairway, yeah. not, not fairway, then rough. No, just then the water, straight off. Just straight off. <laughs> that's, that's a scarier shot. Yeah. Um, but look, that's the brilliance of the of the seventeenth. The purists don't always like the seventeenth, but what it does bring, it, it brings a lot of anticipation, and certainly the theatre it attracts is incredible. And even the boring man, Seawood King, that's right. I still hung around in my to watch it. lounge room and to watch it. That's what's so good about those last two holes. Is yeah. You could have a bloke ten shots up, mate. Yes, he's not safe, and he's not home yet. Did you see JB Holmes? <laughs> made, I think he made an eighth. He finished eight, six. Yeah. So he's had a, yeah. I, I only know up to a quadruple. Yeah. Quadru- so he made one, a quadruple plus that. one bogey. <laughs> yeah. What do you call it? A five-oople. Yeah. I don't know what you'd call it. Yeah. Um, so he's made that uh, big number on 17. I think he shot 84 or 86 in the last day, and yeah. he was in the last group. Yeah. He was in the last group of a major, basically a major. Yep. And he shot 84. A couple of things I want to talk. ugly. A couple of things I want to talk about. Yeah. I was lying in bed and watched on my phone through Twitter yeah. on the PGA Tour. How good is that? The 360 degree live panorama shot yeah. of the 17th green. Yeah. Have Did you catch it at all? No, I They haven't. did it through Periscope, I think it was. It's brilliant. So you could sit there and basically 360, you could just turn your phone around and see what you wanted and then they would show the blokes on the tee. So what, hang on, so what you're doing is you're sitting on this swivel chair and you're yep. going, you're I'm basically going doing a 180. Right and you, as you turn your phone to the left, the camera it, angle goes to the left. Oh, as you turn your phone to the right, on. the camera angle goes to the right. You can go all the way around 360. They had the T when the blokes was teeing what off. World and then they would in? cut to amazing. the green, Marco. They would cut to the shot on the green where you could go around and the, the ball would come in and you could watch the ball land on the green. Yeah, and it was so good. And I want to say... Congratulations to the PGA Tour and might have been the golf network or whoever was doing the broadcast. They've got too much money, dude. It was sensational. They've got too much money Absolutely in the PGA Tour. Absolutely sensational. Anyway, you talk about sports I love that entertainment stuff. industry. Yeah. That's how you do it. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, they need to do that hole. They probably need to do the party hole at Arizona as well. Well, they might have. I might have missed it when they did it. They, it was you know what? sensational. The PGA Tour, they're, they're a bit sensitive of, about behavior. Mm. So maybe they wouldn't yeah. do it. But <laughs> for those of us who are, are not sensitive yeah. about behavior... 
and enjoy watching somebody who's had 52 beers That's it. and making a real deal of themselves, yep. I'd like to see that. I'd like to watch it. Yeah. Uh, before we get to a break, Jason Day, what's going on there? Mate, <laughs> before the tournament, you were telling us that he lost interest there for a little while, trying to be number one. Uh, it's, all it's all he talked about. Yeah. Watch this space, mate. I don't know what's going on. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't think. From what he says, I don't. I don't feel like. From all the way over here on the other side of the world, yeah. uh, that his primary focus is golf at the moment. Right. So we'll just see what happens. Mm. He's a very talented player, but uh, something's got to change. This time last year, he was clearly the best player. He was the wider wire. Yeah, clearly, the players. clearly the best player in the world. Led from start to finish. So look, uh, hopefully, you know, maybe he's just... Drinking the family mate. stuff and it's just become uh, a little bit too much Kid for number two. Yeah. Yeah, it could be. Yep. Ho- look, hopefully, His fingers mum. crossed, fingers crossed, mum, yep. second baby, you know, emotional, mm. hopefully. But His game is just no good at the moment. It seems to be something every week he plays, I don't know. But I, I think even for, aside from the mental stuff, his game is just right. He's just... Yeah. Playing horribly. Yeah, it's not the same. Yeah, it's not the same. But look, uh, the best players in the world can turn around pretty quick. Yeah, he he, he might hold two ten footers at the next tournament that he plays. And that's it. And go whoosh, mm. and away they go. So fingers crossed. He's a very likable character. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly the signals and just something going wrong every week for the last three years. I, I reckon he should probably gloss over those things when asked and just. Tell everybody because it'd be it'd be good for your mental state as well. Mm. I'm good. No, no, I'm good. Yeah. I'm ready to go. Don't worry about you know this vertigo stuff anymore. Don't worry about my back. Don't worry about my wrists. Don't worry about uh, mum. She's in a good space. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about the uh, second kid. Don't worry about all this stuff. I'm here to play. Yep. I'd like to see that. We're gonna get to a break. We're gonna talk about uh, Byron Nelson Golf Club. Yeah, we are. It's gonna get a pasting. That's next. <laughs> Stick around. In your life, have you seen anything like that? You're listening to The Clubhouse. Welcome back. It is The Clubhouse right around Australia. Julian Bayard, Mark Allen with you talking all things golf. Uh, If you want to download the podcast at any stage, just search for Mm. The Clubhouse Golf Show on iTunes. That's it. Find the link on Facebook. Marco, you might tweet it out. That's all you got to do. I might. I might, I might, I might. You been watching the Byron Nelson? Well, I'm... (laughs) I'm intrigued by what you said before the show, Marco, because you came in. I've never heard you say many bad things about yeah. golf courses, but you so, said, I want some time about this. this yeah, yeah. In America, every week they play somewhere special and probably for the last 30 years, playing the Byron Nelson at uh, the Four Seasons Resort, which is the, one of the best resorts I've ever been to. But the two golf courses available... Uh, in Los Colinas, in Dallas, I used to work at the. There's two. There's two Los Colinas sites of golf courses. There's yep. the members, and then there's the Four Seasons site. Uh, without doubt, the worst PGA Tour tournament venue oh, ever. Wow. So much so, and, and it's funny. I used to live a bit in Dallas, and they call them the the. They're either called the Red Pants, or they call all the Byron Nelson people there. They wear red pants. All the volunteers, all those guys. Uh, are well and truly aware that it's harder and harder and harder to get players of note mm. uh, back to play this golf course. It's so boring. It's so nothing. It looks like, I mean, honestly, the condition of the golf course compared to the others isn't up to scratch. 
Well, how do they keep getting it? Well, they they, they do a great job as far as raising funds. And right. they're like at every golf tournament in America, the charity work. I mean, mm. they, they might be playing for six or seven million bucks this year, but they'll find another three somehow and give that to charity. So the people around this venue, uh, uh, you know, they've done great stuff. But the golf course itself is so bad that the last three years they've actually been building another venue and it's going to sh- shift. And it's a real shame because the Byron Nelson name and that beautiful Byron Nelson statue that mm-hmm. is at the Four Seasons Resort in Dallas, you know, everyone gets their pictures taken next to it. It's a shame that nobody wants to play the golf course. We, when we're taking people to Augusta, we used to stop off in Dallas because you know, you've got to go to a hub uh, in America to fly to either Augusta or, or South Carolina where we stay. So we would always stop off in Dallas. In fact, Qantas go Sydney straight to Dallas. Beautiful. Yeah. Saves you so much time. So one year we decided to play where they play the Byron Nelson. That's it? All right, just to give it, you know. Have a look. Everybody, everybody on our trip, and this is just punters, <laughs> we all finished up. And we're all around the fire pit, and nobody wanted to say much. <laughs> and and then one, one bloke, <laughs> one bloke who'd had three Budweiser beers, yep. said, "Anyone else think this golf course was rubbish?" Oh, and then one and after another, erupted. mate. One after another, so and wh- it erupted. So what is it? What is it? Is it the design? Boring. Is it the, just because it's straight up and down? Boring. Sort of I can't remember. I, I used to. I used to work there. Yeah. I used to work there, and I can't remember one hole from the next. Yeah. There's 36 holes there. I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you an idea. The, they all all the players play um, both courses. Mm-hmm. On the course that they don't play uh, on Saturday and Sunday, the first green is shaped like the state of Texas, and there is a bunker in the shape of Oklahoma, mm-hmm. and there's also another bunker on the first green that's in the shape of the Gulf of Mexico. <laughs> So well, that's fun. It's just that's cheesy. Not, that's not boring. That's fun. It is cheesy <laughs> garbage. It's a real Trump style arrangement. Uh, uh, Clive well, Palmer like. I'll tell you, Donald <laughs> Trump. Let's talk about Don, one of one of Donald Trump's course. Double. What was it called? Trump. Trump. Oh, it's down in San Diego. Yeah. Um, he built like this Fred Flintstone tunnel on the back <laughs> of the first green. <laughs> every it's every uh, hole has a view uh, of the Pacific Ocean. But on the back of the first, where you drive your carts to the next tee, he's built like this fake cave. You feel like you're one of the Flintstones driving through the cave and you come to the next tee. It's really different. So there's a lot of cheesy garbage that that is built. And I would say that, you know, over at the Byron Nelson, I'd say there's probably eight fountains. Yeah. Yeah, fountain's no good, by the way. Yeah. If you're out there and you're thinking about putting a fountain in, you're like, don't, don't do it. It looks, it's as cheesy Real as it gets. The early 90s it's as cheesy as it gets. But look, it's yeah. really long, really boring, in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, okay. And once you get out, and once you get past the first tee, yep. good luck. It's even got a boring driving range. Oh. The driving <laughs> range the driving is boring. Range. How can you have a boring driving it's range? It's boring. It? it is just boring. It's boring. <laughs> well, look, a lot of the golf courses in Dallas are, yeah. but... This one, yeah, okay. it's gone out of its way to yeah. be boring, in yeah. my view. And pretty much all the PGA Tour players as well. So they don't want to go? Mate, they're building a new venue, just in case. There's a, look, there is a golf course in Dallas called Dallas National. Mm. 
and it's the same as Augusta National. So it's Dallas's Virgin uh, ver- version, mm-hmm. and they need two hundred fifty thousand bucks to join. Wow, only one hundred fifty members, and you know the subs go monthly. Yeah, but that place is pretty good. Yeah. That's where they should have the Byron Nelson. Maybe we should move it. May well, I'm not sure we've got much control down here in Melbourne <laughs> about where they play the Byron Nelson. But if they word, word might get back up, you said it's the worst venue on the PGA Tour. Yeah, it is. Yeah, uh, I think that's that's not me saying it. Yeah, that's I've just, just jumped on the bandwagon. <laughs> anyway, have a good look at it today, folks. But if yep. you're thinking about st- staying at the Four Seasons, mm-hmm. yes, do it. It's beautiful, uh, but do not play. This yep. golf course. In yep. fact, I'm pretty sure it'll be residential before oh. you know it. Pretty yeah, sure. Housing lot. Pretty sure. <laughs> they might keep nine holes. All right. Now, we flagged start of the show, Marco, about bunkers. Yeah, yeah. About playing out of bunkers. Yeah, yeah. And I've got a mate who, dead set, if he hits it in a bunker, it's... No it's idea. Automatic wipe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a straight wipe. Are we doing it now? Are we doing it after a break? What are we doing? Well, I want to just... I want to talk about that. We'll get to it shortly. Yeah. But I want to talk about... Bunker play. I want to split it into two parts. Yeah, okay. Because I want to have when you got to hit a long iron. First out, oh, out of a bunker. Yep. Yeah, okay. And then I want to split it up after the break yeah. about bunkers around the green. About just getting it out. Yep. And safely on the green. Yeah. All right. Well, let, let's do the fairway bunker first. Yep. The first thing you do when you find your ball mm-hmm. in a fairway bunker, you got to diagnose the line. Okay. Because if the ball's sitting down at all, it means that you have to hit the ball thin. So you don't lose, I don't know, probably, you know, if you hit the ball fat out of a bunker, you yeah. know what happens. Yeah, you it, it ends up being an explosion no, yeah. shot. That's right. It's an explosion shot. Yeah. So you've got to hit the ball thin if it's sitting down poorly. If you've got a good lie, you can do anything. Mm-hmm. If it's sitting down a little bit, you are extremely limited. So you go from 100% of shots to 20% That's right. of shots just from diagnosing the lie. If the ball's sitting on an upslope. That's very different too. Quite often you can't get through the ball because of the sand and it, it affects the way your feet operate. You know, on the grass you can yep. actually get through. So if you're on an upslope and it's really soft sand, then pretty much you've got to aim right if you're a right-hander because your body just won't go through because yep. your foot will push and then the sand will give way and then all your weight will stay back. So there's those two factors. But the number one thing you've got to do is after diagnosing the lie... Mm-hmm. Then you've got to work out what is how, how big the lip is yeah, and what and the you can. Trajectory you need yeah. to play that shot. If you're 200 meters away yeah. and you need a three iron, but <laughs> your eight iron is the <laughs> only club that's going to get it out cleanly, yeah. then that kind of takes the three iron straight out. Mm. So diagnosing the line very important, but the most important thing is knowing what club to yep. get over that front lip. Yeah. Once you've determined that, then there are some strategies. I always grip down the club one inch because your feet invariably sit down. Dig in. Yeah, they dig and in. And everyone does the old shuffle, 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 they shuffle, dig shuffle in. to see what the sand's like. Yes, that's true. So they dig in. Yeah. Two, normally I'll put the ball a little bit forward. If the ball is sitting perfectly, mm-hmm. I'll put the ball a little bit forward just to okay. get it up a little bit. If you've diagnosed the, law, the lies as poor, then that's when the ball goes back. Yep. And that's when you try and hit the ball thin. And you've got to hit, you, you know, if it's a poor lie, you usually have to hit down on the ball. So that's when the ball goes back. So if it's a perfect lie, rip down the shaft. Know what is going to get out of the bunker safely, mm-hmm. not get over it by a millimetre. Yes. You need to get over safely. 
really safe. Yeah. So if an eight iron is the club that will get you one millimeter over the front lip, then probably the nine iron's yeah, the way to go. Might be due to just scale. probably nine iron, probably even wedge. Yeah. You know, if if eight iron's the right club, it's only going to be a millimeter over that front lip. Then maybe just get the nine iron and hit it to the front edge, or maybe hit the pitching wedge and you're going to leave yourself a safe pitch. Yep. To the green and just get up and down. I mean, that's what the pros do in those situations. Uh, but uh, the bat, the the one where it's a sitting down and you've got to get over a lip, yeah, that's usually where it's a thin. You're almost putting the ball back just a little bit, mm-hmm. and it's a thin 54 degree sand iron, yep. or a mid wedge, or whatever, yep. an A wedge, and or whatever your mid wedge is. With ball contact, Marco. Yeah. So the club you're aiming to strike when you've got the ball back a little bit, you're yep. trying to say you're going to get thin. It's trying to hit ball. Yep. Ball only? Yeah, you're trying to hit the ball thin, yep. which is dangerous when you've got a lip in front of you. Yep. So that's why you're doing it with a um, a, a 54 club. or a pitching yeah. wedge or, or whatever it is yep. that you know is going to come out. But and if it's sitting badly, the ball goes back. If it's sitting well, and sorry, if it's sitting badly, yep. the ball goes back. Mm-hmm. If it's sitting perfect, then that's where it goes just a little bit forward. So yep. you've only got two lies. Yeah. You've got perfect and then everything and if, else. If you have that good lie, Marco... How are you hitting that ball differently from when the ball is on the fairway? If you if you've got 120 meters in, yep. you've got a pitching wedge or a nine iron out. Yep. And well, that's should... that's if you normally take a divot. Yep. Then you try not to take a divot. If you're a golfer that doesn't take many divots, mm-hmm. then you hit the ball exactly the same. Yep. You're off that Just perfect play line. Just a normal swing. Just a play normal swing once you've gripped down. Yep. Your six iron or your nine iron, whatever it is. So if you're if you're a non-divot taker. No need to change anything. Mm-hmm. Just pretend it's on the fairway and let it rip. Ball, grip, if ball you are sand. a divot, yeah. If you are a divot taker, yeah. Um, I would suggest trying not to take as big a divot. Yeah. And, and that that's about it. That is about it. A but break. It's knowing what's possible. Got to get to a break. The lie and the lip. When we come back, bunker play from around the green. Beautiful. How to get up and down. Let's do it. In your life, have you seen anything like that? You're listening to the clubhouse. Uh, yeah, welcome back. We're halfway through a bit of a masterclass from Mark Allen talking all things bunker play. Mm. If you missed it, uh, you want to hear him talking about getting out of the yeah, fairway podcast. bunkers. Podcast. Just hit the podcast up. It's there each and every week. goes up uh, Saturday. What time do you put it? Saturday morning, 6 a.m. It goes live. Does it really? Saturday morning, 6 a.m. Right, Sometimes I might put it up on a Friday. You never know. Maybe you should start <laughs> putting it up on a Friday so people to. driving to their golf I on will. Saturday morning. All right, we'll put it up Friday. Yeah, let's start doing that, Jules. Make, make the extra effort, mate. Friday afternoon. Although you do do a great job in this program. <laughs> I'm forever grateful. So good for you. Uh, now. Around the greens? Around the greens. Bunker shots around the That's greens. Right. Okay. So this particular lesson, this is, I'm aiming this at people who are no good at it. Mm-hmm. So if you're actually a reasonable bunker player, don't worry about what I'm about to say. But if you are garbage, if you take one, two, three shots to get out of a bunker and that third shot ends up going across the green into another bunker... Listen <laughs> up. One, mm. get a sand iron with 60 degrees minimum. Minimum 60. Yep. These people who are just absolute garbage out of bunkers, yep. some of them need a 64 degree. Some of them need a 64. Yep. So you can get them if you ask, or you can get a 60 degree and get your local pro to make it a 62. In fact, if you are garbage, if you are a garbage Bunker player, yep. do this for me right now. Go and get a 60 and get the pro before you even walk out the door to make it a 62. Yep. It, it, it'll take a pro who knows what he's doing about 30 seconds mm-hmm. to make that happen. So get your 62 degree or your 60 
if you're a bit lazy or if you've already got a 60. And do not open the club face up much, just a little bit. Yep. Put the ball in the middle of your stance and don't try and hit under the ball. Sorry, don't try and hit two inches behind the ball. Try and hit two inches under the ball. You're trying to hit this shot fat. Yep. One of the great misnomers in golf is hitting two inches, looking at a spot two inches behind the ball and because it doesn't happen. Mm. I told you before, my bunker prowess, when I do a normal shot, yep. if I actually mark, my club goes in about four or five inches. Yeah. Depending on the life, it's a downslope, it might go in even more. So I ne I've never ever thought ever in my whole life of trying to hit the sand behind the ball. I try and go underneath the ball. Yep. It's very quick. Now, Listen up. Again, you have to diagnose the lie. Yes. That's so, the first thing ever you get in a bunker. Yes. You must diagnose the lie. And there are only two kinds of lies mm -hmm. in a bunker. Perfect <laughs> and everything else. Yep. So if the ball is sitting down at all or if it's on a downslope, that's when you've got to pick your wrists up nice and quick. So, you know, you, I read the magazines and I watch, you know, the golf shows that are on TV. And every person that I see says, break the wrists early. Absolute garbage. Really? Oh, oh, garbage if you've got a perfect lie. If the ball, ball lies perfect, you don't have to do anything. Just go underneath the ball with a club that's slightly open and you're always... Hit, hit, I'll, I'll, get, I'll, I'll get back to this in a tick. Okay. But if, you are, if you've got the ball sitting down, and let's face it, if you're playing public courses or if you're playing at a golf course where the members are very lazy... Very rarely do you get a good lie. They're very rare. You get bad lies most of the time. That's it. So the ball stays in the middle, and you pick the wrists up quick, and then you try and hit the ball fat. Mm -hmm. Now, getting into the head of pros, uh, of, of amateurs who are no good at it, they, they get scared of making a big swing. Because in in what happens, the, normally a bunker shot is only about a 10-meter shot. So they take a backswing that's only fit for a 10-meter chip. But we're not hitting a chip. We're hitting this shot fat. Mm. We're hitting this shot really ugly. So make a long, loose swing. Yeah. And if you're no good in bunkers, always try and hit the ball 10 to 15 feet past the hole. Because what happens is if you hit the ball clean, it careers right across the bunker <laughs> and probably sometimes over the other bunkers. Yep. And then if you do your little swing and you go underneath the ball and you make the right contact, it never gets out. Yeah. You're going, what's going on? Come on mate. But the basic problem is... People don't make a long enough swing in the bunker. Yep. You've got to be brave enough to try and hit the ball past the hole. And if you do that and go underneath the ball with a slightly open glove club face, it'll pop out beautifully. Mm -hmm. But bunker play is all about hitting the ball fat and hitting it a fat, controlled shot. Yep. But if you're no good, don't try and open up the club face a million miles. Do not try and open up the stance. Just put the ball in the middle of the stance, face the hole, Open it up a little bit with your 62-degree sand iron. <laughs> 60 at the least. Yep. And if you are a very good bunker player, don't listen to one thing I just said. <laughs> just keep doing <laughs> what you're doing. That was purely aimed at people who are no good at the caper. Yep. You should probably have one club in your bag that is purely for greenside bunkers, and that is a 62-degree or a 64-degree bunker shot uh, golf club that is held slightly open. Yep. That's it. That's it. That's it. Love it. All done? Under the ball. How, well, how's your bunker play? You uh, it's not bad, but I, I find that um, I'm a bit hit and miss. So yeah. sometimes I'll hit a really good That's bunker That's purely shot. lie.
and sometimes sometimes they'll go. Yeah, yeah. yeah one of the rules, one of the old rules in golf was you're not allowed, you in, you weren't allowed to test the bunker, yeah. the surface. Yeah. But every professional golfer in the whole world giving a lesson on bunkers would say, get your feet into the sand, dig them in, mm-hmm. let's test in the sand. That's it. So if you are just going to a bunker shot and you're not wiggling your feet so you get better grip and feeling how thick the sand is, mm-hmm. um, then you're not doing it. Your job. So what if you get a really thick bit of sand really thick? sitting up nicely? You've got to take a bigger swing. Yep. And if it's really thin... This is sorry again. Again, this is for people who are no good at it. Yeah. If you're in, if you're in sand that is garbage, you've got to make a bigger swing. Yeah. In fact, you've got to really trust yourself and make the biggest swing possible. And if it's a uh, very tight sand, very hard sand, then you've got to take a smaller swing. Mm-hmm. And, but you've still got to go underneath the ball, regardless. Yeah. Underneath the ball, but big swing for thick sand, not so big for sand that's really hard. And I think a lot of people who are poor out of the bunkers, Marco, mm. they have that sort of a scoop swing. Yeah, where they try and almost scoop the ball out with their club. Yeah, no good. Don't worry about. Don't don't try and make it go high. Yeah, the loft gets it out of the club. That's right. Sorry, the loft gets the ball out of the bunker. Yeah. Uh, so don't try and scoop it out. You got to go under the ball, and hit down and under the ball. And people who decelerate through yeah. that shot as well. Oh, no chance. No, no chance. Never going to get it out. Yeah, but the the, the short swinging, mm. open club face, scooper, which Just I would say. Ninety percent of you who are no good do exactly that. Yeah. Open club face, open the club head, uh, open your stance. Too short a swing, <laughs> and the ball just goes nowhere when you do it properly. And yeah. when you hit it thin, it goes a million miles. Yeah. That whole lesson was pointed right at you. That's it. Go back and listen to it again. Twice. <laughs> do it twice. Uh, get a sixty-two degree sand iron though. Get a sixty yeah. and get your pro to bend at the sixty-two. Perfect. Sold. Love it. Bunker play. You should never have a problem again after that. No worries. That. No worries. Absolutely sensational. After this, we're going to talk about fade v slice. You're going to fix my swing marker. I'm going to fix you. I'm going to fix a fade this week. Yep. Next week we'll do the hook. All right. Stay tuned. Marco's masterclass. Uh, we've had a few of these today already in the show, but Marco, you know, time to get your. You know why master. though? Because Siwoo Kim's the most boring well, golfer in the we history of the planet. We couldn't talk about it. So it's what's the, most the exciting use? tournament of the year. We and couldn't talk garbage. about it. Yeah, anyway. Uh, don't forget, hit the golf course, play golf at Club Mandalay. Visit clubmandalay.com.au. You can always save 10% off your round mm. when you use the code CMGOLF. That's clubmandalay.com.au. So you're slicing it off the tee well, or I'm, fading it off the tee too much? I think I'm fading it too much. It's probably not quite there at a slice right. yet, but I'm trying to keep that club face open yep. through impact because it's going to fade it in yep. a better, more consistent swing. Yep. But I feel like sometimes it gets away from me. Yeah. And okay. you're trying to just hit it slightly down the left side of the fairway to bring it back in, but then your ball's going. Well, you just showed me right. your setup um, here in the studio, and you do what 98% of players who play once a week do. Mm-hmm. And that is when you move the ball forward to hit your driver, you face the ball squarely with your shoulders, which makes your shoulders open. So if you've got open shoulders at address, the club head's going to come from out to in. Yep. It's very, very hard to actually hit draws with open shoulders. Next time we watch Sergio Garcia play, he, he actually has closed shoulders to where his feet are. And that's what I want you to do. And then if the ball starts going to the right, then use your steering wheel, which is the top hand on your grip, mm-hmm. and get the top hand more on top. But I absolutely guarantee, folks, I absolutely guarantee... Everyone puts the ball in the middle when they hit their irons, and when they face the that middle of the of their stance with their shoulders, it's much squarer. When you put the ball forward up near your left foot, or should be just on the inside of your left heel, you face that 
because you're looking at it and your shoulders open up. Open shoulders, can't hit draws, should only hit fades. So if you're trying to fade it with open shoulders, you're cooked. It's going to go and too your, far. Your little three-yard fade over 250 metres mm-hmm. will turn into a 15 or 30-yard fade. That's right. Well, you, Chris, really quickly, because we're going to get out of here, that little steering hand thing you mentioned yeah, yeah. at the top of the hand, yeah, tell us about hand. that quickly. Uh, well, that's, so if you're a right-hander? If you're a right-hander, your, yep. le- your left hand is going to be the top hand. Yep. Put your hand, rotate it, rotate it to where your palm is more on top of the club. Yeah. And that is your steering wheel. So if you're, if you're fading too much, it's normally because your thumb points straight down the shaft. Yep. Your thumb shouldn't be straight down the shaft. It should be on the side mm-hmm. for most people. Pros, because they've hit millions and millions of balls and their club head moves so quickly, they have the thumb straight down the shaft, some of them. Yep. But most amateurs, the palm should be more on top of the club. Yep. With their top Rotated hand more on top. Right yep. That's for right you should, and if you're wearing a watch on your left hand, on your yep. left, you should be able to see what time it is. You should. I can see that. Yep. Right there. You should be able to see what time it is if you're wearing a watch. Ooh, we'll report back next week with results. Good on you, buddy. See you then. See you then. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.